I'm thankful for the technology we live in today. Because before there was Apple Maps and Google Maps, when I was first married, when Michelle and I were first married, um, 28 years ago this past uh, week here, right? Uh, to, uh, when we were married 28 years ago, before we were married, when we were in college 30-some years ago, when I, when I came to college as a 17-year-old freshman, 200 miles from home, and when we were first married as a 20-year-old groom, everywhere we went, 200 miles from home to college or to our honeymoon together in Tennessee, we didn't have Apple Maps or Google Maps. We had the giant road atlas. Remember the, the road atlas? <laughs> you ever, you ever drive with a road atlas and you knee on the steering wheel? You're trying to figure this out. So we would sit there and um, open it up. You get the map of the U.S. and you go to each state. And this is how you travel. I, I, I think that kind of, we're so spoiled now. I wonder how we ever survived. We're like, okay, so I go on this road. Here's the road I'm going on, and it looks like if I go this way. I'll eventually hit a certain town, where, which is near the exit I gotta take next. So keep my eye open for the signs for that road or that town. And then you get the little map scale, you get your fingers out, look at the map scale, and say, okay, it's about this far, you know. And that's how we did it. And it was perfectly fine. We traveled all over the place that way. But looking back at it now, it's like, yikes, you know, what in the world, you know? I was so spoiled. Um, so we had the Atlas, right? And then we graduated up to. MapQuest. How many remember MapQuest? Wasn't that a great deal? MapQuest. This was where, because we had more technology, we had our, our computation devices at home. We could open up, we could turn them on, and we could, and we could tell MapQuest.com or where we're going, where we're starting from, and it would print out on our printer our directions on pieces of paper, two sheets, three sheets, whatever it took. And then you take that with you, and it would say, you know, you know, for 78 miles, go down I-65, and then to exit 41B, and then hang a left, you know. And so you could, and it would be direction upon direction all the way through MapQuest. And you, here's what you had to do, and you know this. You young kids are like, what kind of dinosaur age is this, you know. But here's what happened. When you left home to go somewhere in the modern MapQuest era, whoo, no more atlases. When you left with MapQuest, you had to print out your directions from home to get from where you're going to there and print out your directions to get from there back home because there's probably no printer for your, you didn't bring your big desktop anyhow and no way to print it out. So you had to have your printed out directions for your return trip and your going to trip before you left home. But thank God for MapQuest papers, you know? That was fun to drive to as well. Turn the page. How many more miles? I'm scared. You know, that was, that was the day. That was the day and age to live in. But now we have GPS. Remember the Tom Tom came out? I love Tom Tom. What a great name that was. Hey, Tom Tom. Um, and then we have all now, now we just use our phones. There's Apple Maps. If you have iPhones or if you're still not sanctified, your you know, Android devices still, there's Google Maps. And um, you have those things. And um, you can plug them in. Take your car, electric cars have Apple CarPlay or Google Play. You can plug them in and it will pull up on your screen. And Michelle's car it pulls up on the screen right here. Giant, I can see the map where I'm going. And my, my, old, my old car, I drive it, just, I sit at my cup holder right here and I stare at my phone. But you know, you can put your maps on your phone and in your car. And it's not just an atlas or a map quest. It like does all the work for you, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's like, uh, here's the blue line. Here we have you know, GPS, right? And you look at it and you got the little, you know, here's, here you are. And then it'll put a blue line in front of you if you're, if you're on a certain course. Just follow the blue line. It's so awesome. Follow the blue. And then um, it, will, it will tell you, 
and point two miles hang a right. It'll even show you, you're getting close to that, that right in case point two confuses you. You can see it coming in the map picture. And the voice will talk to you in, in Apple, it's Siri's voice, will talk to you and, hey, turn right, you know, and point. To, you know, it's so helpful. And we're so spoiled. And I love GPS. Now, here's my, guilt, here's my confession before we get into this today. I have this, ten, I have this thing I do, and I'll tell you why. I turn on my GPS when I go almost anywhere. Like when I go to Crown Point, I turn on my GPS. And I go to Crown Point a lot. Lindsay had two jobs this summer, so we'd go out there and do one of her jobs, in, both in Crown Point. Michelle works in Crown Point, or I'm going there for some other reason. And I will turn on my GPS whenever I go there. And you're like, Harlan, that's so pathetic. Don't you know how to get to Crown Point? Yes, I know how to get to Crown Point. But... I found there are two helpful purposes for using GPS even when I know where I'm going. Helpful reason number one is because sometimes there's a construction or an accident and my, my GPS will know about it before I do. Now, it used to not be that way. You, GPS uh, and, and map, Apple Maps, Google Maps was unreliable at one time. Like you'd be following it saying, I don't think so. But now it's gotten so good. So do you remember when Nine Mile Stretch was shut down for a while? Okay, when nine-mile stretch was shut down going one direction, you go one direction but not the other, and then it flipped. And when that was going on, I remember my GPS told me to go a different way. I'm like, why would it take me that way? And sure enough, it's because the road was closed the other way. Thankfully, I listened. And then a couple of few weeks later, it was telling me to go, and I'm like, I can't go that way. The road's been shut down that direction. Did, did Apple forget? But I, I trusted it, I went that way, and sure enough, that day, it was open that direction and closed the other way. So I'm like, the technology's gotten so much better than it was even a few years ago to where they're on top of things. They know, you know, there's, some, there's construction over this route, there's an accident here, and they'll, they'll guide you. So I use it for that reason, because even when I know where I'm going, sometimes there's reasons to, to trust the map. On top of that, and this is my little other, if you were with us last Sunday, you'll understand what I'm about to say. But I like it because it also tells you when you're using it as GPS, it tells you the speed limit of the road you're on. And that kind of very, very handy because I don't always pay attention to every road and every speed limit. And I'm probably going over it anyhow, so I want to make sure I'm not going too far over it. So I like to have um, the GPS on. Okay, it's a 30-mile-an-hour zone here. Okay, good. I should slow down to 58. I understand now. You know, but it's, not really. But uh, it's nice to have um, that, that factor. So I use it everywhere I go. Now, maybe you don't and you just don't care for that. That's fine. That's what I do. Well, last week we started a new sermon series that we're calling Rules for the Road. And the idea of this series is that just like, as St. Rascal Flatts once said, life is a highway, just like as you travel on the highway or on the road, your goal, no matter how fast of a driver or slow of a driver you are or your techniques or your methods of driving, few stops, many stops, your goal ultimately is to get to your destination and get there Safely, right? That's your goal. And, and that's the same with life. On the road of life, our goal, we have a preferred destination, and our goal is to get to our preferred destination and get there safely. And so we want to talk about, so we want to, just like the regular road has rules, we want to talk about rules for the road of life. And last Sunday, we talked about uh, a man named Job who was given a lot of sudden turns and curves in life that could have got him off the road and into a ditch somewhere on his, uh, his trip. A lot of things happened, but, but uh, he navigated them by God's grace, and it's a great story to read. And we made an observation about the middle of last week's sermon. We made an observation from the story of Job 
where Job was basically saying, I don't look around, I don't see God anywhere. I don't see him anywhere. Where is he at? But he says, but he knows where I am. And we made this observation. We said, even when I can't see him, he knows where I am. Isn't that good? Even when I can't see him, he knows where I am. But we want to add a phrase this week. Even when I can't see him, he knows where I am and where I'm going. You know, I don't, when I'm driving on my car and my Apple Maps or Google Maps are turned on, my GPS is on, I can't see the satellite up there in the sky guiding me. But it's there apparently, right? I can't see the technology, but it's guiding me and it knows where I am and where I'm going. And, and that's God. Even when I can't see him, he knows where I am and he knows where I'm going. So we talked about that last week. Now I told you this series does not build upon each other. Every week's a different direction in topic. Every week of the series is a different direction. But that thought from last week does set us up for today's conversation because it reminds us that sometimes as we're traveling down the road of life, I don't know where God's at perhaps if I'm in a tough spot or I don't know what's happening, but I have to remember that he's there by faith and he knows where I am and he knows where I'm going and he can guide me. So I want to tell you what my goals are for today before we get started. And be very plain so that you'll know the bottom line. My hope today is that you will start to realize that, that whether or not you like to use GPS in your car, that's up to you. I think it's a nice tool for the reasons I mentioned earlier. But what I want you to understand is we need that guiding in our life, on the road of life. And that God wants to guide you. And I want to convince you today to, to turn it on, to, to check in with God regularly and listen to and learn to listen to and follow his guidance and connect with him to guide you each day. My goal is to convince you today before we leave here, uh, give you some practical suggestions about how to make it a practice to listen to God and let him guide you on the path of life. That's where we're going today. That's my agenda, okay? And today will not be like last week where we looked at a Bible story. Today we're going to look at a verse here in the Bible, a verse there in the Bible, a verse here. We're going to be all over the place today, a verse here and there. So just as you know where we're headed, I want you to let God be your guidance, and I want you to let him guide you, and I'll tell you how we can do that today. Now, I want to begin with a verse in Psalms 119. I love this verse. This is kind of our, t- our key verse today. Psalms 119, verse 105 says, Your word, God, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, and it's a light for my path. Now, I love that because the psalmist here is saying the same thing that I'm trying to say in the sermon today, except they didn't have cars yet, and they didn't have GPS yet, and they didn't have iPhones yet. God bless their poor souls. They didn't have all that stuff. But what they did have was feet <laughs> and paths to go down. They weren't necessarily paved with asphalt, but they had paths that would take them from one town to another, from their house to work or their fields. There's paths to get around. And, and the psalmist is saying here, when I'm walking outside, and perhaps I know the path pretty well, maybe I don't, but especially when it's dark outside and I can't see the path very far in front of me, even if I kind of know where it's going. When I'm outside walking and it's dark and I can't see real well, I like to have a lamp, a lamp that, that guides my feet, that lights my path because something could have fallen down in the road in front of me that I don't see coming. Something, an animal could be out there. I don't know. So, so I like a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. 
And the psalmist is related, he's using that analogy of walking down a path the same way I am today, but with cars. He's saying, just like when I'm walking down the path, I want that guidance. In the road of life, the psalmist says, in the road of life, your word, dear God, your word is that lamp to guide my feet and my life to guide my path of life. That's so good. That's what I want you to hear today. That, um, that, the, that the psalmist is declaring that God's words, don't miss that, that God's words provide divine navigation on our journey and guide us. That God's words guide us and provide us with divine navigation. Now again, I said this earlier, this is why I like to use GPS all the time, but this is why in, if you don't think that's important in real life, but you don't, don't think that way about the path of life. Don't say, oh, I don't need God's divine guidance. I don't need heavenly GPS. I know where I'm going in life. Here's what I want. I want you to not overlook this, this very important reminder today, and that is this, that even if you think you know where you're going, you don't know what's coming. That's just what happens. So I know where I'm going. This is my goal, my aspiration. I got my plan mapped out. I know where I'm going in life. I know what's up. But you don't know what's coming. You don't know what roads will be blocked or closed or what detours are going to happen. You don't know what's going to come your way, what's going, to, uh, what's going to clog things up. or You don't know what's coming. And so even if you think you know where you're going, you don't know what's coming, we need guidance. We need God to guide us to the destination he's taken us towards, even though we think we're self-sufficient. We need to connect consistently with God. Paul, the apostle, was writing to young Timothy, who was pastoring churches in the city of Ephesus. And Paul said to Timothy something about this topic, about the importance of God's words being a guide. Here's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Corinthians, uh, Timothy 3.16. He said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So, so the, follow the analogy here. The scripture is used, it's, it's, it's teaching us what's true and making us realize what's wrong. Oh, no, no, don't turn there. Don't turn there. Don't go there. That's wrong. Oh, this is the right path. This is true. This is the right path. It, it's there to, to, to help us see where we, we're supposed to be, what's true, what's right, what's, what's wrong, what's not, what's not the right way. It corrects us. It corrects us when we are wrong. No, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. And it teaches us to do what is right. This is the way. Verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's why the psalmist said, your word is like a lamp to guide my feet, to guide me. A light to shine on my path. Now, Scripture is truth, and Scripture is a source of truth that God uses to guide us. But I want to say this to you as we transition here. Scripture is not the only source of truth that God uses to guide us. He also guides us through the tr- His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. That when we become believers, the Bible teaches us, and it's a whole different sermon, that, but the Spirit of God moves inside of us as we put our faith in Christ and indwells us, and His Spirit guides us and is a source of truth. And I want to show you that, and I want to talk about it for a little bit here. Um, When Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, in the last few hours before he would be arrested 
and before he would be put on trial and would be crucified, Jesus was with his disciples, and John, the disciple John, records that part of Jesus' life so beautifully in John chapter 13 through 17. Chapter 17 is a prayer that Jesus prays on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and John records the whole thing for us to read. And in that prayer, Jesus says, guide your people through your truth. Your word is truth, which is what we just said. But prior to that prayer in John 13 through 16, Jesus is having a last meal. He's doing the Lord's Supper or Communion. He's sharing his last thoughts before his crucifixion with his disciples. He's, I'm about to die, I'm going to rise again, and then I'm going to go away shortly thereafter. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again one day and bring you to be with me so that you'll be with me where I am someday. He talks about heaven. But before he left, Jesus said, I'm not leaving you alone, that, that the Spirit of God is going to come in my absence, and, and as you believe and as you follow me, it, it, upon, your belief, upon your faith in me, he's going to indwell you. And the Spirit of God will be in you and he will guide you. Not just a conscience, something better than that, the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. And he will guide you. And he, there's so many verses about this, I could read 10 of them right now. I'll give you one. In John 16, verse 13, here's what Jesus said. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, notice the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, the spirit of God, like I said, my word is truth. The spirit of God is truth because God is truth. And he will guide you into all truth. That guiding word is the word we keep seeing. Your word is a guide your, your spirit is a guide. Now, I'm going to be honest, and I, I'm going to say something that, that it, maybe it's a little bit of a detour, but it's an intentional one. And I'm saying it because there are some of us, this won't matter, so just if that's you, just bear with me. And if, but some of us, our background, this is very important. Um, I grew up in a very strong church culture, a fundamentalist, Baptistic church, hardcore culture. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit much. We, we'd mentioned them sometimes, but not really a whole lot. We were afraid if we give them too much attention, people might turn charismatic or something crazy, you know? So we kind of just kind of downplayed, downplayed this. And when we did talk about the Holy Spirit, it was usually with more disclaimers. Well, the Holy Spirit won't do this, you know? Kind of like it was that same way, if I'm distracting anyhow, same way with grace. We never heard sermons on grace ever. If you ever heard a sermon on grace, it's like today I'm speaking about grace. Grace does not mean you can go do this. It does not mean you can do that. It does not mean, because they're so afraid that, you know. So what does grace mean? I don't know. <laughs> One minute summary. So, you know, that was how the Holy Spirit was. We just didn't hear. And a lot of things that we heard said was we would hear people say, the Spirit of God will, will never guide you to do something different or contrary to the Word of God. I agree. I agree with that. Let me, let me reiterate that the truth of that statement, that God's Spirit will never guide us to do something contrary to God's Word. I agree with that. So if you're here today and you say, Arlen, the Spirit of God has told me, you don't know because you're not here, but the Spirit of God has told me to murder my neighbor, I'm going to say no because the Word of God says not to. Right? The Spirit of God has told me to cheat on my wife. No, he didn't. That's not the Spirit of God. He doesn't do a different voice than God. Okay, so yes, the Spirit of God will never direct you in contradiction to the Word of God. But when, when I was hearing that statement a lot, it was to downplay the significance of the Spirit of God leading us at all, because sometimes you can't put a box around somebody or control somebody if you don't have a, a book by which you can only try to put, build your own perimeters and interpretations. So you would always separate these ideas don't, and downplay the Spirit. 
But the Spirit of God will lead you. And yes, the Word of God shows you some things, but sometimes I need some more specific direction, and the Spirit of God will show me what to do in a situation that I need to know and will guide me in ways that I couldn't see in the Word. That's how he works. In fact, think about this for a minute here, for those of you who are deeper or whatever that means. Um, When Jesus said these words, there were no Christian scriptures yet, what we call the New Testament. In fact, not, not the book of Matthew, nor Mark, nor Luke, nor John was penned. Not the book of Acts, not the epistles of Paul, James, or Peter, or John were written yet. Over the next two decades, the Christian scriptures would be penned here and there. And even when they were penned, they weren't always widely available to every person. The letters would be sent to this person and that person. You might get copies eventually. Honestly, a lot of people couldn't read. There's a, a strong a, a, a likelihood that many of Jesus' disciples weren't even able to read or write. Uh, they were, uh, the book of Acts kind of tells us that they were that. They were, the, the world was illiterate. We forget that, that if you're outside the cities, the, the literacy rate was just a couple percent. And in the cities where there was more group learning, it was like 10% back then. It was horrible. But no one, you know, what was paper? It was just grinding out a living day after day. And so um, the copies that were there were sent out, and those who could read would read them. They would be in different places. But they weren't even written for a couple decades. And then it was another um, 300 and some years later after that before they were compiled officially into Ta Biblia with the Christian scriptures and the Hebrew scriptures and the Apocrypha put together. And then another 1,000 years after that before there was a printing press and literacy began to rise in the, in the world. But, but even before there was one word of the Christian scriptures penned, Jesus didn't say to his disciples, if only you had all the scriptures, if only you had them all, you'd be okay. Because they're truth. He said, no, you already have it. You have my spirit inside of you, and he will guide you into all truth. Because here's the thing. As we follow the Lord, anyone who's following the Lord, God's going to lead you. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me through your word what you want me to do. He will. God, I'm praying to you. Show me through my prayers. Speak to me. Speak to me through your spirit and what to do. He will. God is capable of leading you any numbers of ways. Through nature itself, God is capable of leading you. God is not saying, man, it's just too hard. Anyone who wants to follow God and be led by God and and listen to his guiding voice, he's there. And God says to his, Jesus said to his followers, the Spirit's going to live inside of you and, and guide you. Which brings me to underscore the purpose of prayer. Prayer is so important. We should learn uh, to turn to God's word. Thankfully, we have it in modern technology. We have the Bible everywhere. But we should learn to, beyond that to turn to, to, to in prayer and say, God, guide me and direct me in life and help me in life. I love what David said in the early book of Psalms. We saw earlier in Psalms that the psalmist said his word is a, a light to our path and a guide on our journey. David, who wrote many of the early Psalms, talked about the importance of prayer many times. In one of his passages, in in Psalms chapter 5 and verse 2, he said this, Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Now I want to pause and let you see something here. Those phrases go together. That phrase, my cry for help and my prayer, are referring to the same thing. That's important to understand. He's saying, When I cry for help, God, I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. Help me. I need some tangible help. I need some guidance. I need something. When I turn to you for help, Lord, that's called praying. Listen to my cry for help. I pray to no one but you. Verse 3, he says this. He says, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. 
Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. I, I, I turn to you and say, help. Whether it's tangible, whether it's guidance or direction, God, help. I'm waiting for you to lead me. And that, I want to say this, that brings me to what I would think is a very wise life hack. Do you still call them life hacks anymore? A wise life hack. And that is this. All of us, listen, start each new day with some type of spiritual connection with God. Start the new day. Every day, start the new day with some type of spiritual connection with God. You say, well, Arlen, you don't understand. I'm not a morning person. Like, that is not gonna happen. Like, to add something to my morning repertoire, Arlen, I barely get up in time to get to work before I'm late. Like, the best, Arlen, the best invention for me so I can eat in the morning is Pop-Tarts. Because I can have them nuked in the microwave in three seconds and be eating my breakfast on my way to work after I got up two minutes earlier than that. It's wonderful, you know? Okay, I understand some of us aren't morning people. But here's, the, here's the, the idea, and I want to make this observation. I believe give God the best part of your day. If you're best in the night, great, give him that. If you're best in the morning, great. Do, you know, I, I, I really work well at night. I enjoy that. I a lot of prayer walks. I use, in the middle of the day, I use the auditorium a lot for that as well. But if, you, but if you're not a morning person, at least say, I'm going to take a moment of time each new day. I, maybe I won't give my whole devotional time to the, the morning because that's just not who I am. But I'm going to carve out just that little moment each morning to connect with God before I start the day. Even if I'll do more devotions later, I'm going to connect with him in the morning, even if it's briefly. Start the day with some type of spiritual connection with God. Now David said to do it in the morning. What's interesting is that was young David. That was shepherd boy David talking right there. But you know happened to shepherd boy David? He got older and he got more responsibility. He eventually became King David. He eventually became Old Man David. And the older he got, the more he realized, I need more than that. So here's what he said later on in Psalms 55. He said, I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Verse 17, morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Morning, noon, I turn to God and say, God, guide me, help me, show me, help me, be there. I, younger me said, a younger, less hairy me said, in the mornings I cry out to God. But an older version of me says, I got a lot more to carry. I'm a lot older and more experienced in life, and I do it morning, noon, and night. That's interesting to me. I um, grew, and grew up, I had the privilege of growing up going to church. My dad became my pastor eventually, but when I was younger than that, and even when my dad was my pastor, my pastor before him was still a pastor to me that I listened to. Um, and my pastor growing up taught me something. He, he used to say all the time that he would spend seven times a day, seven times a day, he would pause, whatever, he had scheduled it in his day to stop what he was doing. He would always kneel down. Seven times a day, he would kneel down some part of the day and say, Holy Spirit of God, I submit to you. Guide me and show me what to do. I want to follow you. Spirit of God, I, I yield to you. I submit to you. He would submit to the Holy Spirit. He would submit to God's Spirit seven times a day. 
And I always admired that. I can't say I've done that as well as he has because that's seven times I get, my, I get crazy. But that was impressive. He scheduled that. And it makes me think of David, morning, noon, and night, saying, I'm not, I need to stop several times and check in and turn to God. Not just David, Daniel as well. Do you remember, if you were here at the beginning of the year, we did a sermon series on structural integrity. Talked about Daniel. Remember Daniel was a teenager brought into captivity all these years later, he's an old man helping in the nations that he was taken captive in. You know what Daniel said as an old man? In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says he prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. That Daniel throughout his entire life made it a point to pray to God three times a day. And I just think it's important for us to remember that it's kind of like, it's kind of like the GPS system. You, you can turn it on, and then you can't, can't, can't check it once in a while. Do you update the directions? Has something changed? Or do you need to look at it and see where to go next? At least every day, start each new day of your journey of life saying, God, here I am. But maybe even multiple times, maybe morning, noon, and night, maybe three times, maybe seven times a day, submitting to God's Spirit. But throughout the day, we need God to guide us in our life. The Apostle John, I mentioned John earlier. John, when he was older, reminds us that as we pray and as we line up with God's heart, he hears and answers us. By the way, that's what prayer is supposed to be. Prayer is not that God's a magic genie in a bottle. Prayer is not saying, God, rub the belly and give me what I want. Prayer is lining up with God's heart and getting on page and praying according to his will. And John said this in 1 John 5, 5, 14. He says, we are confident that he hears us, that God hears us when we, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Verse 15, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So as we come to God for that help and that guidance and that direction, he does that for us. Now, I've been doing this job a long time. I've been pastoring. I've been in church work before I was a pastor. I know something about this passage of Scripture in people. That for some people, for some of us today perhaps, watching online or listening or in the room, for some of us, those verses are a little bit triggering. I love those verses because they remind us that how prayer works. But some of us read that verse and it says if we ask anything according to what pleases him, we're like, oh man, I feel that triggers me. And here's why. Because many of us might say, Arlen, here's my problem. I haven't always pleased God. God, Arlen, what if along my journey of life, I haven't followed his directions? I've gotten off the path like we talked about last week and today. I got off the path. I made some bad turns. I didn't end up someplace I shouldn't be, and I did not please him. That, that's, that's tough for me. But this is what I want you to see, and this is so good. Here's the takeaway. Nothing pleases God more than people who are coming back to him. That's the whole gospel. So Jens was talking about earlier, we just come back and find that he made it possible to come to him because he, what he did for us. And whether it's your first time or, you're, or you've strayed and you come back, he's there and nothing pleases him more. Then we say, God, I've taken some wrong turns in life. I've ended up in some very weird or bad places. But now I'm coming to turn on and ask you to be my GPS, to guide me from where I am, God. And God says, that pleases me. 
And I hear that prayer and I answer that prayer and I'll take you from wherever you are now, no matter where that is. It's kind of like Siri. Now, I use Siri. Siri is more than GPS, but Siri's voice, you know, on our phones. When I, when I put, turn my phone on my map on, you know, if I ever take a wrong turn because I either missed my turn because I wasn't paying attention or I think I know better so I go a different way. I don't know about any of you, but I have found myself on the highway a couple of times, Michelle. We found ourselves more than once through the years off of what we were meant to be at in some place. Like, why are we here? This seems dangerous. One was way back before we had this technology, and one was more recently on a trip. Now, I've made some wrong turns before. You know what I've found my phone, that, that voice of my maps, a series voice? You know what happens? It says beautiful words. It says, rerouting. Reroute. I love that. Because, let's be honest, what Siri could be saying in that moment is, you imbecile. You big moron. Who let you drive? Okay, pull over right now and change seats with somebody else. You, what are you even doing? Why'd you go that way, you dum-dum? Right? I'm so thankful that my, my Apple Maps don't talk to me that way when I make a round turn. It just says, it's okay, rerouting. And here's what I want to say to you today in case you feel discouraged because you're like, Arlen, I've not let God guide my path. I've not let his word or prayer talk to life. I've just kind of gone my own way. I've gone away from him. Uh, you know what God is saying today to you? Rerouting. Listen, here's what I want to say. He knows where you are even if you shouldn't be there. God knows where you are today even if you shouldn't be there. You're like, man, I shouldn't be where I'm at. God knows. God knows. Yeah, but I made some stupid decisions. God knows. And you know what? He's just like that. He's, he, he's saying to you, rerouting. And here's the problem, and I'm, I'm bringing this up for a reason, because some of us, depending on your religious upbringing, perhaps, perhaps depending on your parents, you may have had a bad example of a, fa- a heavenly father growing up, perhaps. Or perhaps because of the church background that you came from. You, here's what you might be tempted to think. You might be tempted to think that God is looking down when you make a wrong turn and God's like, you imbecile. I, I'm done with you. You know what? Just see, let's see how this turns out for you, pal. <laughs> like he's just trying to like get you. He's like insulting you the whole way. What's wrong with you, you idiot? If that's your impression, maybe not in those exact words, but God is treating you that way when you make wrong turns, you get the wrong view of God. He's simply saying, okay, let's reroute from here. Because here's why. God is a forward-looking God. He's saying, where do we go? Okay, this is where you are now. We can't rewind time. Here's where you are. Where do we go from here? If you have, it's not God, it's the enemy that's always trying to get you to look in the rearview mirror and fret over the past that can't be changed. Listen carefully to me. If you have a voice in your head whispering in your ear, condemning you all the time about your past mistakes and decisions and wrong turns, that is not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy. That if God is speaking to you today, he's the one saying, okay, well, here we are. God, about yesterday, God said, here we are, let's reroute. Oh, another bad turn. Okay, well, from here, here's where we go next, rerouting. Rerouting. We're looking forward. By the way, let me just throw this in here. If you are someone who has people in your life 
who are always beating you down about your past, they're not speaking with the voice of God in your life. Because that can't be changed. God's voice and the people that God is using to speak to you are the ones that are saying, where do we go from here? Okay, where, let's look forward. Where do we go from here? Got to reroute, let's reroute. Because all we can do is move ahead. And he's the best at it. Rerouting. He knows where you are, even if you shouldn't be there. And he knows how to take you to your destination from where you are. So, let me wrap this up with some, let me tie it back. How are we going to do this? Whether you've followed the path or whether you've found yourself way off the path, how do we do this? How do we let God take us wherever we are to where we're going, to our destination, which is the whole point of the series? How do we let God do it? How do we let him guide us to be our GPS? Well, I've given you several things today, but let me recap them real quick here. First of all is Scripture. Scripture, the importance of the Scripture. We're so blessed today. We, don't, we have literacy. We have copies of the Bible in its entirety. We have the Christian Scriptures and the Hebrew Scriptures. We have them together in one binder. We have all this access. I have several copies of the Scriptures in my office. Big family version Bible with pictures in it. Little smaller ones, leather bound. And I have it on my tablets and my phone and everything else. Now, you might be the kind of person who likes to read your Bible on a tablet or a device, or you might be old school and like to have it in a hard copy, leather bound. Same with your books. You might like to read your books on a Kindle, or you like a real hard book in your hand. No right or wrong answer. But even if you do your Bible reading in a hard flip page Bible, I want to ask all of you to do something today, and that is download a Bible app on your mobile devices or your tablets. In fact, let me recommend one to you, and you can do it right now. Someone in the last hour did it right during the service. That's great. The, if you don't have the version Bible app, Y-O-U, version, Y-O-U. If you don't have the version Bible app, download it today. Download it right now if you want. I don't care. Download that app on your device. And... Um, you say, why? I prefer to read a hard copy. I get that. I do the same thing. I, I do both. But the Universal Bible app is a wonderful tool. It's in most of the languages of the world. It's an amazing ministry of Life Church and Pastor Craig Rochelle, and it's just a, it's a pretty neat, a pretty neat uh, app. But what I like about it is it gives you, it will prompt you every day to get in the Scripture. It will It'll give you streaks to keep active like you do on Snapchat with the streaks, right? It will um, give you streaks for continuing. It will, um, it will do things like um, uh, give you Bible reading plan. It gives you a verse of the day. If you're so busy that you say, I can't read a whole, the, the Bible through in one day, nobody can. But if all you can do is read a verse, you version gives you a verse of the day. Just open it up, read the verse of the day at the beginning, come back to it a couple times and let that verse carry you that day and be a guide to you that day. Or read a chapter, there's Bible reading plans. There's one-day Bible reading plans. There's 10-day plans. There's 30-day plans, 7-day plans, one-year plans. One of the things I've been doing for most of my adult life, even my teenage years, is most years I read the Bible from cover to cover through each year. Now, I do, as a pastor, I do a lot more than that and study and other things. But, uh, and I use my regular Bible for other reading, but I usually do my one-year Bible reading plan on my mobile device through version because it will track my progress and tell me what's next and load it for me. But whether you're doing the Bible in a year or a 10-day plan or just the verse of the day, get in the scriptures regularly and let God guide you each day through his word. And I hope I'm not talking to deaf ears. If you're not doing anything with the scriptures, start somewhere. Start today. Prayer. 
Folks, schedule a time to commune with God. Maybe you're a morning person. Maybe it's later in the day. Schedule a time to commune with God each day. Just do it and talk with him. And make time to pray and say, God, I let your, read your word to let it speak to me. I'm praying to you. And I'm listening to you. Speak to me. Lead me. And call out to his, his spirit. You know what I like about my technology? My phone's on. I'm driving the car. And I just run that GPS most of, the, most of the time. When I'm running that car, you know what I'll do? I will sometimes, you know, have a question. Like I, and I can ask Siri. Hey, Siri. Um... I want to go to the restaurant. What time does the Lighthouse restaurant close? What time is the, li- what time is the library closed? See, my phone right now is hearing me say that, and, and my device is trying to answer the question for me. Stop. Sorry, sorry, Siri. Um, uh, you know, I, I can ask the question, hey, how do I get such, such a place? Hey, Siri, what's the, what's the way to get here? Hey, Siri, what are the hours of this business? Hey, Siri, play this podcast I want to listen to. It's kind of nice. Stop. I know. Okay. We ought to do that in our faith journey. You got to do that with, with life. As you talk to the Lord, say, I'm going through the path of life. I'm opening the word. I'm reading what God has to say to me. But wait a minute now. I encounter something on my journey. Hey, Spirit. How do I handle this relationship snag I just ran into? Hey, Spirit, how do I take this opportunity that's in front of me? Hey, Spirit, how do I get through this? How do I navigate this difficulty? Hey, Spirit, hey, Spirit. But I'm saying, read the word, pray. Let God guide your life. And if we're not praying, if we're not, if we're not talking to his spirit who lives inside of us, if we're, not, if, we're not, if we're not reading the word, we're missing out on God's guidance for our lives. Do it with regularity. Start a new day with at least a few minutes of connecting. Place prompts at places in your life to, throughout the day to, to pray or to simply submit to his spirit to lead you. And, and then something else I want to say is practice the presence of God. That almost sounds ridiculous, but don't miss this now. Practice the presence of God. What does that mean? That means that God is always there. So we need to learn to practice to ourselves that he's there because we forget. He's there either way, but practice his presence. So let me give you an example of, of this with GPS. The other day I was bringing one of my friends and his family to the airport to take a trip, a family vacation, at an ungodly hour of the morning. God. Horrible. And I put my GPS on, but I had my volume turned down because I wanted to not, you know, if I'm playing podcasts, I want to listen to that voice. Turn right here. So I just turned the volume. But the, but the map is up on my phone, on my, on my screen. And it's taking us to the airport. But I got so engrossed in conversation with my friend that twice along the way, I almost missed my turn, even though it was right there in front of me. Because I was not paying attention to the GPS and I almost missed my turn. I'm like, idiot, pay attention to the, to the map, right? It's right there. And I think that's a lot of us in our faith journey. God is right there all the time to guide you. He's right there. But we get so busy doing other things in life that we forget to remember that he's there to guide us. So practice the presence of God. For some people, that means praying with two chairs next to them so that God's sitting here or he's in the car next to me in the road. When I pray, I walk, and I think God's all around me and with me, and he's there. Whenever you do anything in life, just remember, God is with me. God is right here. God is with me. Practice his presence. That will guide us. That will keep us out of some trouble. You're probably less likely to log on to pornography if, God is, if, you, if you're practicing the presence of God, right? It's probably going to help you in other parts of your life. I'm saying practice his presence because he's there whether we see it or not.
or whether we look to see it or not. And then last piece of advice is as you ask the Lord to guide you, as you read the word, as you read the scriptures, as you pray, as you surrender to the spirit of God and his leading, listen carefully, last of all, follow his direction over your own wisdom in any situation. Just like you might do with GPS. Sometimes I'm driving down the road and my GPS says turn here. I'm like, I don't think that's the best way to go. Now, can I be honest? That was probably more true about several years ago. When, when Apple Maps and Google Maps were a new thing, you sometimes had to sit there and say, I'm not turning there, buddy, because they would put you in the middle of a field somewhere, you know? So you had to learn that the technology was faulty. But it's gotten a lot better. Most of the time that I've ever said, nah, I'm going to go this way, I come to find out why it was trying to take me a better way. It just knows better. But it's still faulty. It's still human. I mean, it's not human at all, but it's, just, it's still imperfect, right? But you know who is perfect? God. And you might just decide that you know better than the GPS in your car. That's fine. But as you're traveling the road of life and you see that God's word tells you to do this, and you're like, nah, God, I don't think I will. God's spirit tells you not to do that. Yeah, God, I'm going to do it anyhow. Don't ignore God's word. Don't ignore his spirit speaking to you in prayer. Listen, as God directs you, if you don't agree or we're going to a different direction, follow God and his voice and not your own understanding, not your own reasoning. Just say, God, I'm going to let you guide me even though I think I should do something different. I'm going to go with you, not me. I'm just giving you some practical steps. Prayer, scripture, surrendering to the spirit, practicing his presence, following his directions. Every week we've been trying to give you a little take home. We started last week with rules for the road. On one side, we give you a Bible verse that we want you to memorize. I think memorizing is a good thing. Back before they had literacy and access to the scriptures, people would hear them somewhere or go somewhere and hear and memorize them. We forgot how to memorize scripture. So take this verse and memorize it. And then we give you a rule for that week. We gave you some last week. This is week two. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a memory verse to take home this week, and it's on this card. The cards are back there in the, uh, on the lobby. Before you leave, go out to your right. I think last week's cards might be there also. I don't know. Maybe you missed those, but the, this week's cards are there for sure. Maybe even some of last week's. I don't know. But go out the, to the lobby, grab the card, and you can punch a hole in, in, in. There's a hole puncher there. You can put on a key where there's key rings for you. Take a key ring for free. You can put them on your key ring, or you could double punch them and turn them into a little book flip chart. That's fine as well. Or just keep them whole without, without holes punched. But however you do it, take a car, take a key ring on your way out. And here's what I want you to do. Look at this verse and remember this rule. So the verse for this week is Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Take that, write it down, remember it. And then flip that over. And rule for this week is this. Whether or not you know where you are, look for direction. Some of you today are saying, Arlen, I don't know where I'm at. I feel so lost in life right now. I don't know where I am. Look to God for direction. But some of you might be saying, oh, I know exactly where I am. My life is going according to my plan. I got this all figured out. Look for direction along the way. I said earlier, you might think you know where you're going, but you don't know what's coming. So whether or not you know where you are, let's look for direction. Let's look to God for direction. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. God, guide me as I go on this road of life.